0: Hi, this is Sebastian Rocher, Balthazar in Supernatural and Michael Michelson in the Vampire Diaries and the Originals and many other things that you've seen on television. Please, please listen to spoiler country, and you'll have a great time.
1: It's time to enter the Spoilerverse via our secret portal of the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with our hosts, John, and Kenrick, and Jeff. Welcome to Spoiler Country.
2: Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on Spoilerverse.com. But... i'm johnny horsley that is kaylee horsley and today on the show we've got sebastian roche who plays balthasar on supernatural and jeff haas got to sit down and chat with him about his career and about supernatural but all the fun stuff he is doing and another supernatural one for us Kaylee.
1: i know another one that i've missed Another one bites the dust. I was going to say that, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's kind of cool. we got so much Supernatural ones going we Actually,
2: uh, we're talking to Lucifer here pretty soon, too.
1: I know. Next week. Yeah.
2: And then someday we'll get Sam and Dean. Our goal is to get Sam and Dean and Castiel and Eric Kripke and the real Bobby Singer
1: Yes, as I said on the other show With another supernatural character We're just going to get all of them And then they can be like Oh, it's on this podcast, Spoiler Country And they were like, I'm on that I was on that too And then they will influence Like, well, we can get the whole cast
2: Yeah, we can do a whole cast rewind It'd be awesome But instead of hearing us babble Let's go ahead and listen to Sebastian Roche and Jeff Chatman Words <laughs>
3: Hello, listeners of Spoiler Country. Today on the show, we have an extremely special guest, Sebastian Roche.
0: How are you doing, Mr. Roche? I'm doing wonderfully.
3: So how, how are we handling things in the current COVID world?
0: <laughs> oh, we're handling things, you know, not only COVID world, but the insanity that has become this country and uh, many other things, COVID, climate emergency, political insanity but doing fine does it feel like
3: this world has entered a odd fictional (laughs) enterprise at this point
0: well the thing is it's not fictional it's entered a very odd reality more than odd reality we are really at the the precipice of something truly catastrophic not only politically in the states but the the greatest uh, crisis of our time is there, and people are suffering the 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 actual um, outcome of it with those fires. But this is just you know this is our, the greatest emergency of our time is the climate crisis. I, I yeah.
3: I would say I hundred percent agree with you. Do you feel like as a as a people or as a as a world, that is something that we are at least experiencing together, or do you think how it's perceived is completely different depending on the region right now
0: no i think it's I think we are going to be we are experiencing it all over the world I mean you are basically tropical cyclones are the the strongest they've have been in in all of humanity hurricanes on the east coast drought in the in the in the midwest larger than life tornadoes fires in the West and the center, Colorado, let's not forget Colorado. And this is all over the world, you know, 42 degrees centigrade in France, which is like 112 degrees, you know, which never happens all over Europe. Heat waves after heat wave every summer, you know, droughts, floods. It's affecting everyone around the world. Of course, there is one strata of society, political, who are motivated by mostly money and greed and special interests in the fossil fuel industry that don't believe that this is happening? But you know, and frankly, we shouldn't even be talking about these idiots. But you know, that's that's the way I feel about those people who who put special interests in front of basically a cataclysmic future for our children. So. In order to stop that, we are going to have to band together, which is what we try to do. But, you know, it will be impossible under uh, a Trump presidency, of course.
3: And what I think is kind of interesting, in my cynical, more cynical moments, I do, on some level, get what greed does to an individual and how greed does make someone very myopic in their viewpoint on their world. What I find interesting is the people who... Don't care about the environment, don't care about climate, or don't believe that it's a change, and yet have no actual stake in in, in the in the finances of it, and, and it's almost as if they are participating in that delusion without valid cause.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we are in the age of of, of misinformation, disinformation, and uh, you know, basically, the Q, we are in the QAnon age of people basically being. Their own worst enemies by thinking that they are the experts in research on Google at the expense of people who've been working all their lives and what we call experts in science, who 99.99% of the time are correct. So that's the problem. Social media, uh, the internet experience is great for some, for the, you know, is great in some parts and in some other parts, is, a, is an absolute disaster in that respect. So Because you have all these sudden, these sudden pundits who sprout with absolutely no information, and, uh, and people follow that propaganda, that brainwashing, and that rubbish, basically, that they spew, which are basically opinion pieces. And we have to stop following opinion pieces, and we have to follow the experts of the science. It's as simple as that. But, you know, some people just don't want to do that. Usually, uh, <laughs> well, oh, when, well,
3: when, when, when did you think people? Or maybe not. Maybe I'm generalizing a little too much by saying people, but there's definitely a segment of people, and I think it may be worldwide, but it just seem to be since I'm, you know, in the United States, higher in the United States. People gave up on the idea of science, or did not, or lost their understanding of how it actually functioned and how knowledge works. I mean, this seems like there's been some yes, sort I mean, of acceptance. The,
0: the, Yes, but that's spurred also by a certain political party who negates, Indeed. basically <laughs> negates science, expertise, intelligence, intellectualism, and actually, you know, does everything in their power to defund education. And, and, and you know, we're, we're, we're turning into a true authoritarian state, Hela, uh, 1984. So there is, you know, there are, there are two very defined parties, now even more polarised because basically the Republican Party has become the extreme-right white supremacist party. Exactly. And then there's the rest. And then there are people who were Republicans, you know, who probably will not vote for Trump in this election. There are people who are Republicans but will not vote. So you have such a huge, what's the word, cleavage. You know, there's a huge conflict between those two. And and the information of one party basically fuels this disinformation, which is extremely dangerous. And at, at the expense of again expertise, science, intelligence, you know, this making fun of intelligence is is, is something that 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 is really really very negative to to this country. And, and, and just,
3: I'll say I completely ahead. agree with you with the idea that I think it. I think within the last twenty years, intellect or being an academic became an insult, and I think that's when things started to unravel.
0: But once again, it became an insult to a certain party. Who it's it's very simple, you know. If you want to, if you want to enslave your 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 population, you know, deprive them of information. But anyway, I I don't know if you wanted to talk about the Korea stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I've only got, I don't have that much um, that much time, sorry.
3: Oh, uh, I, I totally understand that, and I, but I will admit I was fascinated to hear your thoughts, but we'll move into your career most certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I guess you probably get this question a lot, but when did you know you had that bug
0: and for acting, or at least getting or an audience? Well, I mean, it happens to me very early on in, in life. You know, I used to go to the theater a lot, I used to go to the movies quite a lot with my my, my parents, notably independent movies or what people would call art house movies, even though I don't believe it. You know, Kurosawa movies, Bergman. I was introduced to those at a very early age, you know, Shakespeare, theatre. And uh, it fascinated me from a very early age. I would say that around the age of five, six, I knew I wanted to be an actor. I always was, you know, the sort of the funny guy at school that I loved. Uh, putting costumes on. It was it, it was in my blood. I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do very early on.
3: And you, was, was this encouraged by your parents? Because from what I read on you, you've actually had quite an impressive life. I mean, you grew up with in Paris, apparently lived some time on a sailboat. You speak yeah. multiple languages. So you're obviously clearly very cultured. So is this something that you think basically you were nurtured into
0: on some level? Uh, yes, I think uh, my father, I know, was... a frustrated actor so he my parents were incredibly encouraging you know uh, to me as a child of course i lived on a boat from the age of 12 to 18 and by the age of 18 in the caribbean i was in the caribbean decided to go back to europe to study acting and they were unbelievably encouraging they always wanted me to be happy in what i was doing that that goes for all of my brothers as well too so yeah, I was always encouraged, and and my dad was. It was my dad's secret passion. He never got to do it, but but he he, he absolutely adored it himself. So you know, I, I I think it was pretty seamless for me to move on to that career that I fell in love with instantly.
3: How did that influence you as an actor, having that lived experience, and also um, the idea of? Since you said you learned in your European style, is that significantly different than if you had studied, let's say, in in
0: the United States? Yes, I'm going to say yes. I think there's yeah, because you know when I went to drama school, my goal was to be a theater actor. I I loved classical authors as Shakespeare, Moliere. Ibsen, Strindberg, the great, you know, restoration comedies, etc. Christopher Marlowe, and my goal was to be a theatre actor. I, I, you know, of course, the, you know, cinema comes and television comes, but I was really passionate about being on stage. That's what really counted first and foremost. So I, I went to the National Academy of Dramatic Arts in, in France, actually, I studied in France, because I speak both French and English and Spanish and Italian, but French and English I'm fluent at. So, and I uh, spent four years at drama school, studying the classics, techniques of theater, etc., cetera, etc, cetera. and uh, so that's what my career was all about. Of course, when I, I, you know, I started getting TV gigs and which are much better paid than what the theater offers. But my first passion was theater, and I think that that European training, which is very consequent and very rigorous and very thorough, trains people to be g- great actors. I'm not saying that you, you, you're you not a great actor if you're trained in America, because there are great schools like Juilliard and Yale. And you, we've seen actors like, you know, like Adam Driver come out of them and many other people like Oscar Isaac. But there is this sort of tradition in in acting and also in character acting whether you be a leading man or not you are going to be trained in in being proficient in accents in theater technique in characterization and therefore i think yeah it 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 there is somewhat better more rigorous training in in europe yeah i would say that
3: now so much of your career now has been uh noted or highlighted now by television do you still find the stage to be your preference or have you started to I let's actually, say find no, a fondness I, for I, tv I,
0: I both i basically now you know as an actor i'm you know you realize when you're young you have one passion you want to be a theater actor that's what you want to do but you realize later on you know as you're making a living as an actor and you're doing you're being fairly successful at it, that that Acting is acting, whether you were on TV, film, stage, even voiceover. You get the same pleasure out of acting uh, in, in any format. So, no, I don't have a, a preference. Of course, I, I two years ago, I, I was on the West End doing a classical play by Moliere Tartuffe. And that was one of the great dreams of my career, you know, as was when I did The Green Bird on Broadway or when I did National Theatre in France. So I've ticked all the boxes as far as I'm concerned, which is wonderful. I mean, my new my new fantasy would be to do a play at the National Theatre in London, which is one of the great national theatres of the world and, and always uh, has a great tradition of quality. But yeah, I get the same pleasure out of, out of everything, whether I'm on a set. It's a different approach, but I get the same pleasure uh, out of every art form. And your career... Are- Started
3: very impressively. You started in the made for TV film The Murders in the Rue Morgue, where you oh, start yeah. opposite E. McShane and Val Kimmer. Those are some big names to start uh, your George, career George off
0: with. C., George C. Scott, too. Oh, Patton, yeah. very awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who so, was, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that was a tiny role. I think I had one line. And uh, it was hilarious because <laughs> I just finished playing Hamlet at the Edinburgh Festival, the title role of Hamlet. And there I found myself, so I was, you know, sort of coming out of this dreamlike experience, which is playing Hamlet for an actor, I think, is the summum of one's career at whatever age. And I came out of this extraordinary experience, which was quite lauded by the critics, etc., and found myself with a tiny role on a movie, which was the first time I actually set foot uh, on, a, on a set. And I was, I was completely, I had no idea what to do. But it was interesting. I had a few you know, I I, I remember seeing Val Kilmer reading Hamlet and I and I remember saying, Oh, I just finished playing Hamlet at the Edinburgh Festival and I think he looked at me with <laughs> with <laughs> an air of absolute scorn. <laughs> I'll always remember that. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, you know, screw him. <laughs> but anyway, it was interesting. I was so green. I had no idea what to do on a, on a movie set. But it was it was an interesting uh, experience. And I remember the director was this French director who's lived in the States called Jeannot Schwartz, who I then in the, fu- in, in the future worked with many times on, on television. And I reminded him, of that experience uh, so it was really funny that, that that's really cool and like i said and, and i would
3: love to know why bell Kumar was so scornful do you think it was well, like a rivalry I thing
0: a, i think i was a only one one line actor and he was the star of the show and he was like you know don't disturb me you little best <laughs> <laughs> well, i remember that time and i was like i was a little put off but you know who cares <laughs> Well, and you build now, a thick skin as an actor.
3: And, yeah, and like I said, now you're big enough that you can be that guy to somebody else, some one-line guy. You can be no, like, Jesus, ne- I'm no, the Bachelor. I would, ne- <laughs> ne-
0: I would never do that to somebody else. I would never do that to a young actor <laughs> who's literally <laughs> going... <laughs>
3: now, when you're performing, like I said, you're, that was when you're first, your first role on for TV. When you watch someone like George um, Scott and E McShane act, were you able to draw from them as well and learn something about the I Well, I
0: did. I did I mean I, you know I knew I didn't know Ian McShane as well he wasn't as well known I don't know if you remember in those in the 80s But George C Scott for me was I'd seen Patton I'd seen I you mean know, how many other movies had he done Doctor Strange loved many other films and, and and recognized him as being a, an extraordinary actor and actually I got to meet then Campbell Scott who's his son and it was really who's actually a delightful human being and he, him telling me stories about George C. Scott. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I do draw inspiration from many actors, you know, as a child, I drew inspiration from Laurence Olivier, from Errol Flynn, from all my heroes as, uh, as a kid, of course, Brando, Pacino, De Niro, who in Europe, of course, were, uh, in America too, but in, in Europe were gods, you know, gods of the screen. Actually, my my first gig actually in America was doing a play opposite Al Pacino. You know, but uh, so that was extraordinary for me to do that in New York. Anyway, I'm diverging. I'm jumping a few years. (laughs) No, I'm
3: fascinated to talk to you. So you're welcome to jump backwards, forwards, any direction you want.
0: And I think it's kind of interesting. I'm so sorry. I only have ten minutes left because I have to run. Is that okay? Yeah, no,
3: totally. I actually only I was going to hit on very briefly Vampire Diaries, a couple of questions on Supernatural, and just let you let tell me about Batwoman. But okay, well, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. So what I was going to say is I found it interesting that for a stage actor that you did become synonymous at some point. It seems like what su- the Supernatural type stories, like the Vampire Diaries, like Supernatural, and on some level superheroes like Batwoman. Was that a surprise for you?
0: No, actually, it it just, it just happened. It it just happened. I I remember I was shooting Fringe in in Vancouver and my manager told me, go audition for Supernatural. And I was like, oh, I've auditioned for them nine times. They should offer me the part. And then he insisted. (laughs) So I went and Robert Singer was there in the room and I did the audition for Balthazar and got it instantly. And I knew I got it. It went so well. And it really changed. It, It didn't change my career, but I mean, it did. You know, bring on other parts, and it it sort of started the uh, my foray into after fringe into supernatural stuff. And I think it was no coincidence. I mean, the characters were really wonderful, and as Michael Michelson was an extraordinary character, he could have been a Shakespearean character. You know, sort of monster of revenge and and pain and. And and a character who was a thousand years old seeking revenge on his whole family is very sort of Shakespearean or or it could be a, a Greek tragedy. So they all fall in place. And the character in Batwoman was kind of an interesting character. Me being someone else behind someone's face and it was kind of <laughs> so all these characters are, are always quite interesting. Yeah, the common thread is is a supernatural aspect to, to them, but You know, a role is a role is a role at the end of the day. You know, whether it be some psychological drama, science fiction, it's the same to me.
3: Well, you played back Balthazar, and and when I look back on the actual number, you only were in six episodes of Supernatural, but it felt like you were such a larger part of that season. Were you
0: surprised? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Was I surprised?
3: Yeah, that people embrace you so thoroughly, and you yes. became such a part of it.
0: Yes, I was, but at the same time, I I think the Balthazar was written in with so much character, and I related to the characters so much. Basically, when I came on stage, the 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 costume designer said, "Can we keep everything that you have? I'll just <laughs> you know, can I take a photo of you, and I'll just basically." buy everything that looks exactly the same and it's just so it was there was very much a part of me in that character of my humor my 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 impersonation was very very close to me and it was so it was and i think his sassiness and his sense of humor charmed and, and his charm because he's a very charming character charmed a lot of people and i i was surprised because you know i did six episodes out of 22 but it feels like i was a major character in that season it's funny, I, I, and I felt it too every time I came back, because I got along so well with Jared Jensen and Nisha, I, they treated me as an equal, so it felt as they always do with people that they really get, get, get along with, you know. Yeah, it, 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 it gave me the, the, uh, the security to, to expand even more and have more fun with my character, and I think that's why it touched so many people.
3: And and I think that your performance was extraordinary. You mean you created such a fun character with Bathazar, and yeah. what was it like working against Misha Collins' character? And you had a great chemistry with each other.
0: Yeah, it, it was just you know it just so happened that it was like that. I think we had great chemistry because as soon as I came in, they cracked a joke. I cracked a joke back. They laughed and they were like, "Yeah, okay, you're part of the club, dude." So uh, we got along instantly. You know, these are people. We're going. Yeah, I mean they were so accepting of me that, that it, it, it created a really reciprocal care for, for one another and, and you know and, and it made the the experience all the more wonderful. And when you're having a great time, you know, you you do better work. And you know, when you have people who are as generous as they are, as kind as they are, as fun as they are, you wanna have fun too. And you know, it's 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 contagious. So my experience on that was wonderful, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, who, were, who you've talked to about Supernatural will echo my words. It's just a wonderful experience to work on that show, because these guys are so rare, so wonderful, so generous. Don't take themselves seriously. It's so funny that, you know, you can't not have a great time. Therefore, you're going to give the best of yourself. You know, I only have good things to say about these guys. They're they're wonderful. And they deservedly got 15 years on on that wonderful show.
3: And I think it's interesting. I've I've interviewed several members of Supernatural at this point. I think I've talked to maybe seven or eight of them from who have been on the show. And the word that keeps going, repeating itself over and over again in these interviews with them is the word family. They keep saying, this is a family, a family, supernatural family. Is it that tangible?
0: Yes, it really is. Because basically you know, we, we I know now, I don't know, 20 cast members and a lot of us have not worked together, but we actually started doing fan events and we started sort of traveling as a traveling. It felt like a sort of old school traveling troupe, <laughs> go, go the, traveling theater troupe going around the world. And so you get to know people very well when you travel with them. And uh, so that experience brought us much closer together and it really consolidated the, 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 the sense of family that that, that we really had. Uh, the key to what? To the, yeah, yeah. sorry. No worries, no yeah, worries. Okay. <laughs> I can actually yeah. continue the, the, I can continue to, sorry. So it really consolidated that sense of family and I absolutely concur with my castmates. There really was a feeling of, uh, yeah, camaraderie family and and it made it it's always it yeah it 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 made it a marvelous experience and i
3: think one of the episodes everyone may find the as the best with balthazar is the one with the titanic did you find that as
0: hilarious (laughs) as the rest of us yes of (laughs) course i did oh my god that to me was the best i mean it's it's I mean, I love The French Mistake as well, because I think it's kind of a genius episode. But, I mean, that episode too, the balls on these guys to write an episode about me unsinking the Titanic. And I thought it was just so funny. And I love the reason too, the reasoning behind it. You know, it shows that they had so much, such a wicked sense of humor, which I loved. And when you're laughing, when you're having such a great time, doing you know something that you're working on it, 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 was there not to like i mean it was so i mean it was truly funny to to, to come up with that idea you know who would come up with such <laughs> an idea and people still remember it i actually posted on twitter don't worry don't worry, fans, your heart will go on. And there's a picture. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, sign Balthazar. and People reacted to it so well. It was incredible. They literally were like, oh, my God. <laughs> there he but, goes again.
3: <laughs> but it's perfect. And it, once again, it shows your love for the character as well. And I must say, like probably a lot of fans, I was really bothered that they killed you, your character off. It, it was, yeah. I was like, there's so much more you could have done with Balthazar.
0: I actually was bothered, too, because I thought, my God, really? Why are you kidding me, guys? <laughs> I, I couldn't believe. I, I was really surprised, actually, because first of all, I was having so much fun. And, you know, they kept telling me, don't worry, you'll be back soon. And of course, that never happened. <laughs> uh, I was hoping to come back in the last season, but it didn't happen. But that's that's fine. I went on to do other things. But it would have been fun. It would have been so much fun to to. Yeah, it would would have been really wonderful to come back or to continue as the character. I think I could have been a very good foil to Misha's character.
3: And I completely agree because your character gave a new perspective on the idea of the angels by being a rogue angel in in a very real sense without being a fallen angel, which I thought was fascinating. And I I think all the fans would have loved to have you back, especially when they introduced the alternate realities, you know, bring back Balthazar at this point. Yeah, least, I know.
0: I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At least
3: then you got to do Batwoman, which must have been a great treat as well.
0: Yeah, that was a great treat. I mean, I, you know, it would have been, I would have loved to have gone on a little more with that. But, you know, then when I realized that I was someone else's, when I was someone else's character, you know, I was basically a face on on the character. I was like, <laughs> oh, damn, I, I guess I can't come back because uh, I would have loved to have continued on that adventure. It's the same with Michael Michelson, you know. I I, I would have loved him to to, to to continue living, you know. But it seems that I die in, in every in everything <laughs> that I've done. I you're, basically, you're, I'm the guy who is gonna die.
3: You're you're like the Sean Bean of the television world.
0: <laughs> exactly. I was gonna say, yeah, that's true. Good
3: but on. and and like that, and I think it says a lot about you as an actor that you seem to be on so many well loved. TV series, even if only for a small period of time, people always remember your moments in those small moments, you know, time.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. Oh, hold on one second. Okay. I, I have to go. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, no but worries. I, I, continue, continue. I, I, I could talk in, in the car.
3: Oh, oh no worries. I, I was going to just um, end with some asking about, like I said, Batwoman and from what you saw of Batwoman, do you, is there any possibility at all that there could be you in a second season in some form?
0: I really don't know, to tell you the truth. That could, but I don't think it's going to happen. I really it, it, don't think it's going to happen. It, it, like I said, it,
3: it really is um, such a shame, because like I said, that once again, it was a great performance. And Thank so, you.
0: Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing it very much.
3: So what do you have coming up that maybe we don't know about for um, upcoming performances?
0: Oh, I have a movie coming out called Shipbreaker, which I'm very proud of, with Ian Glenn. I really, really love doing that movie. And I have an episode of uh, MacGyver coming too. But, oh, very um, cool. And then a few other projects in the works. Is Ziggy's not coming? Sorry. Oh, fuck. Yeah, Ziggy's coming. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I forgot to take my dog. <laughs> <laughs> no
3: worries. No worries. I'm actually petting my dog while I'm talking to you. So.
0: <laughs> okay, hold on. Because Ziggy was like, I'm not coming. <laughs> 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 hold on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. Hello.
3: Oh, yes. Okay. okay. So, so you're doing, you said it's named is Shipwreck?
0: Shipbreaker. Ship oh, Shipbreaker. And what is that uh, movie going to be about? It's, it's a science fiction movie. Oh, sorry. It's a very high concept uh, science fiction movie. Beautifully shot. Beautifully shot. Really gorgeous. And uh, basically, I'm this man who's looking for a planet because basically, how can I explain it? Humanity can't live on Earth anymore, <laughs> which seems very <laughs> insightful. And I yes. go to this, this, new, this new planet called uh, New Kepler. And uh, I decide to then go to see. I am a, an astronomer, scientist, etc., an explorer. And I decide to go back to Earth to see if it's habitable again. And I tell my daughter I'll be back. And, of course, I leave and never come back. And she goes to look for me. On Earth, and adventures ensue. (laughs) Now, was this and it's and it's it's a beautiful, very moving film that I really enjoyed uh, doing a lot.
3: Was it filmed prior to the lockdown, or did you go back to filming during it?
0: No, it was it was filmed prior to the lockdown. Have have
3: have you done anything during this period of lockdown that you've had to kind of adapt to how it's being filmed now, or any or any projects? No. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. I was wondering, have you filmed anything during the, the period of the lockdown that you've no, had to change or
0: adapt to? No, 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 uh, nothing at all, now. Well, that that's actually, that's actually, nothing unfortunate.
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> and like yes. I said, is, is, is there a concern when you do have upcoming projects of what it's going to look like so because you- of the lockdown? What is what going to look like? Sorry. have have you had any concerns about what it's going to look like to start filming now that post lockdown?
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah. I have many concerns about filming in lockdown in, in the States. I don't think judging by unfortunately how irresponsible people are. It's, I I really don't know when the filming industry is going to be able to, to uh, start again. So these are definite concerns that I have, because you know it's uh, the business is starting again in Canada because they handled uh, coronavirus in a normal way. Yes, like any other normal country, and uh, in Europe. So who knows? Maybe we'll have to go find work in some of these places.
3: <laughs> and yeah, and 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 I, and I think it's interesting to hear your perspective as someone who's been in the industry now for quite some time and getting your thoughts on how things could potentially maybe normalize hopefully soon enough
0: i don't think anything can be normalized until americans decide well until there's leadership at the top and there's contact tracing and mask wearing and te- enormous amount of testing i think it's going to be extremely difficult to to have uh, a healthy work environment there'll always be the risk of someone you know attending a party or getting infected with covid Let, let's remember you know we are the we are the the country with the most infectious cases uh, it's it's still extremely risky to, to partake in activities that uh, you know that have uh, groups of people in them so I really don't know i'm sure They're going to try, but as soon as someone gets COVID, everything's going to stop, which happened in London with Robert Pattinson. So I really don't see it. I don't see how they're going to be able to uh, monitor that if there is not stringent rules, which there weren't, of course, in the UK and none in, in, in the US. So it's actually a little blow for the Anglo Saxon speaking world.
3: <laughs> y- yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I guess make America great again, man. Destroy every aspect of it. <laughs> exactly. exactly. So,
3: for Shipbreaker, is it? Do we have a release date? And is it going to streaming now, or was it meant to go to theaters prior to basically the end of was, theater
0: going? It was meant to go to theaters. It's directed by a German director. It's a very ambitious film. It was produced by Constantin Films, Babelsberg Studios, and some other big guns in Germany. It's English speaking. What's that? And uh, Roland, yes, sorry. And Roland Emmerich is the executive producer of that film. So it has uh, a huge cachet. And I think they wanted to release it in wide release in Germany, which they might do because they have a handle on on that. So I think it was supposed to go to the Toronto Film Festival in September. Can you hear me still? Yep. Yes, I can. Yep. Uh, You know, and of course that festival was canceled and i think it was to be released at the toward the end of the year but who knows it might be pushed till 2021 but it's something i'm really proud of i really really uh, you know it's a, it's a beautiful one of these beautiful character supporting parts that i really enjoyed doing and there's a lot of heart in that film you know it's not only a science fiction movie about science fiction it's 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 really about It's really about the fate of humanity and connection and loss and and relationship between a father and uh, or a daughter and her father. So, yeah, there are many aspects that I think are going to appeal to to a greater public. Um, I'm really proud of. It It looks amazing, too. It really looks amazing. And I really, truly enjoyed working with uh, that wonderful young director, Tim Feldbaum,
3: yeah as like every great movie is about something beyond the immediate sense or the immediate genre that yeah, it exists yeah. in and it does sound like a, a, a fascinating movie and i do hope it does make it to theater because it sounds like something that should best be watched
0: on a large yes. screen yeah yeah because it really looks stunning like it, it looks like a gorgeous ridley's god you know it's actually it, it might be it's either going to be Shipbreaker or, or haven above sky I prefer Shipbreaker, but uh, they weren't sure about the title because of legal reasons. But so, if you're looking for it, it might be under Haven Above Sky. So. Just I, so I, you know, on, on IMDb or whatever, you know.
3: I, I would say Shipbreaker sounds a little more exciting. It, it's something about the, it the tightness of the name just sounds a little more. It, it, it grabs your imagination better.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: But yes, and I like I, said, I look forward to seeing. It, and I want to thank you so much for giving me all your time. And I think that was extremely great of you.
0: Oh, thank you. My pleasure. That
2: was a pleasure, Jeff. Oh, thank you so much. And we're back. I knew you were going to do it that way. I just knew you were going to do the whole race card thing.
1: Yeah, I like it. What do you think?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Sebastian?
1: Awesome. He's a really cool guy. He's very interesting.
2: He is. He's very, he's very well-spoken, obviously. I mean... Everybody from Supernatural so far we've sp- spoken to has been so well spoken, so polite, so amazing. It's like that show just not only has great episodes and stories,
1: like a great storyline, a great show, but their cast is genuinely nice, which is probably why they've been on for so long and they've brought a lot of reoccurring characters back that I don't think they meant to because, you know, they all are very, um, you know, willing to do things and I, they're like, they have fun with it instead of having, um, you know where they want to it's just a job like they actually have legit fun right
2: i think well i think if we were bronze on supernatural i'd have legit fun with it because i still say my favorite episode is the one in season seven where they go to the real world and they're actors
1: oh i know i love I, well they do so many silly things i love it when shows or is the titanic yeah we i mean <laughs> we always love those ones and um but uh, you know i know his career has been more than supernatural we're just big fans of that um that show we started late in the game, but you know, he's done lots of other things that are really cool as well. So, yeah,
2: thanks for coming on, Sebastian. I appreciate it. If you want to come up on any time, you know, it'd be great. But we have a couple things I gotta tell you. Kayla, you want to tell me the website? Put it on the spot here
1: SDSP.
2: Spoilerverse.com
1: and something SPOD.net.
2: SCPOD.net is what it is, it's also Spoilerverse.com. You can see yeah, how much my wife pays attention to what we actually do here.
1: Um, I hear a lot of the one-sided, so I feel like I know oh, uh-huh. Yeah. And what about this? So I always hear that portion, so I don't feel like I need to also listen to another hour of just the other side.
2: <laughs> That's a polite way of saying I don't listen to your podcast. <laughs>
1: Um, but I do a lot of other things for the podcast. I am- Very supportive, this is for sure. I am supportive. I am a contributor of my voice when Kenrick cannot. <laughs> been
2: on the show multiple times. You were on the Jessica Jones episode, which was one of the most popular ones. I do.
1: Oh, I love the Jessica Jones.
2: Yeah. So, as Swilliverse.com- yeah, yeah, doc- come back. to my- spoilers, you can go and see more of our episodes, listen to all the other shows, articles, reviews, previews, a bunch of new stuff coming out go leave comments with our store, get a t-shirt a hoodie, look fly as hell and you know help swag and help us out. Uh, go to scpodus slash discord and join our discord server come chat with us, we're doing some contests, that's going to be pretty awesome and uh, Kaylee, any final words for this one?
1: Wow, you have a lot of places to go and when I hear that on things my brain shuts off <clears throat> so spoiler verse is the w- main one, do that one, you'll get to everything else pretty much yeah <laughs>
2: So finally, in notions of podcast, we are Cthulhu! And it's to Cthulhu about what you to do! Open your mind. And eat more. Sorry, I'm sorry, voice in your
1: laugh. Open your mind <laughs> and mind.